Last week, from the, from the Judgment Night. No, from the no, cake from the cake. Oh, from, from the cake con. I have no idea. We it's found some cake. Yeah, it's it's been a while, guys. It's been like a week. All right, so I w- gave us some gas. So I went back to listen to some of our old episodes, particularly my first old episode. And woof. Man, that there was, was that, yeah, that was not that yeah. good. Horrible songs. That's very songs. difficult to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so let's correct that today. Um, but you know, I wanna, I wanna take a journey into some of those things that were missing out of those first few episodes. That thing called Beyond Yacht Rock. First. The episode spelled in all caps, and that really bugs me. Yeah. It's the only one. We got our email feral audio. It hurts. It hurts my OCD every time I see it. It's like screaming. If they at change me. it, will we lose all the play counts? No. No. Oh, I okay. talked to him about it, but I haven't. I haven't pressed them. We'll wait till like a week after this episode comes out to fix it. <laughs> um, and man, the opening. That was. I didn't get to do it because JD wanted to do it, and it was pretty much uh, an intro for Stevie Wonder, and then pause. He tried to rap. It's really good. <laughs> more more <laughs> pause. Oh, it was, it good, was good. And then Dave tried to do a Marina Rock song right after that in the bone throw. It's like I didn't even care about Yacht Rock. Oh, man. Where were we? <laughs> Anyways, now I get to do my first Try and Raps intro. And if you haven't figured it out, this is going to be a new Try and Raps episode. So let's, let's talk about this song right here. This is my favorite song when I was 10 years old. <laughs> this is Bobby, Jimmy, and the Crickets with Somebody Farted. The Critters. Or, not the, the Crickets were Buddy Holly's Buddy Holly's. I, I get those confused often. And they did Somebody Many. Booted. They're known for the song Somebody yeah. Booted. Uh, yeah, this is this song is just it's brilliant, right? Yeah. Uh, but you see, this is 1990. Bobby, Jimmy, a.k.a. K-Day DJ Russ Parr, didn't just pull this out of smelly air. No, he had predecessors, comedians who uh, blazed the rat trail and had no idea what they were doing. So before Dave gives us another Marina Rock song, soak this in. This, this somebody farted and feel the then feel the glow of these try and raps and laughs. It's the Beyond Yacht Rock Podcast. We're the podcast that makes up new genres every week, counts them down from 10 to 1. The best songs in the genre. Oh, you love it, this podcast so much, and that's why you listen to it. My name is J.D. Riznar. Hello, I'm Hollywood Steve Huey. Hey, Dave Lance. This is Hunter. Hooey! Hunter Stare, right? Maybe, doesn't, sometimes. Doesn't matter. Yeah, what are you writing, a fucking book? I gotta, I gotta get the information out there for the people. Editor-in-chief over here. We created the Yacht Rock genre, so we like to throw a bone to you, Yacht Rock uh, a song. Most uh, of the time we do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, uh, Dave, what's this song we're listening to? Uh, dudes, this is one I found back when Steve was trying to convince us that Jim Photoglow was Yacht Rock. Is this Photoglow? Oh, wait, wait, you're totally reversing the episode two curse. Exactly. By, by, by reversing the yacht. Yeah. 
Steve Beautiful. played us some countrified soft rock and defiantly sat there. It was there, really good. Insisting the shit he was playing us was Yacht Rock. It was a good song. I started my own research and I saw that this dude, Jim Photoglow, had a song called Fool in Love With You. Oh, that sounds great. I thought, well, that's I love sure, Photoglow. That sure has a Yachty title. Let's give it a listen. You know what I found? What did you find, Dave? It's Yacht is all shit. Yeah! Listen to this goddamn thing. I don't know why. I don't know why you're so happy because you're an idiot, Steve. You didn't. You, it, took you, it took you two Jim Photoglow songs. And you still didn't pick this one. I know, but the last two were totally yacht rock. No, the last Especially one was the last kind, one. Last one kind of was, but the first one. Was, no, the last one was super yachty. Yeah, and it was I, good. And I, I like how Dave is pretending like this was just discovered. We've given Steve shit about this particular <laughs> song every time he played a Photoglow song. You can't Off tell me what to do. No, on the air, it's it's in that we, we were like. He, there's a, yeah, yeah, tell me like, what to do. I don't like, think there's so, There's a better son. one, and he refuses to pick it. Anyways. <laughs> well, I think we've heard enough about Jim Photoglow. Nah, I don't point. think we've ever heard enough about Jim Photoglow. All right. So, Somebody quality artist. Guy down. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Did you get into, did you get into our... our that, uh, <laughs> into the excited candy, about uh, uh, Jim Photoglow. Uh, I was Sugar trying to get cereal. into Steve's head here. I can't imagine that you didn't know about this song. Oh, it, I knew about the other one first. Is it possible you were dropping breadcrumbs to try to help us find the way? Is this some sort of master plan? What's your end game here? My end game is that I'm playing 13th dimensional chess with you, motherfuckers. Well, guess what, Steve? You got you got served a face full of yacht pudding, you piece of shit. Yeah, it hurts, doesn't it, when you go 0 for 2 on your favorite artist yeah, yacht rock song, and David Lyons comes, David Lyons yeah, comes David in and, fucking Lyons. and serves you. Yeah. David underscore Lyons. Yacht Make soup with that, bitch. Dude, this was, uh, this was all part of my master plan to uh, see, like, first I did the one song that you guys didn't think was Yacht, then I did a different song, and by leaving yes, this, this one too. out, I created within your souls a craving, <laughs> an intense longing for the forbidden fruit of Jim Photoglow. See, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, reverse I thought, psychology. Is Steve trying to build up my confidence? I mean, is he aware that Jim co-wrote his song More to Love with fucking Neil Diamond and knew that I would just end up there eventually? Probably. What the fuck, Hollywood Steve? Get out of my goddamn head. Can we can we talk about the mustache? You're trying to get into my head, but I'm in your head. Wait, hold on. We got to talk about the mustache in the room. That's Jim Photoglow's mustache. It's glorious. It is a nice yeah. mustache. I was thinking of bringing that up. It's, um, you see it right on the album cover. The album, which is called Fool in Love. <laughs> we, like, we like fools and yacht it's rock It's fucking a lot. fools. It's in the name. He oh, looks like a young John Oates. Yacht. It's just that good. You'd have to be blind to miss it, but then you'd get away with rubbing your hand all over his mustachioed face. So on Jim Photoglow's website, it says, I'm suspending my solo touring schedule temporarily as I've signed on to play bass, acoustic guitar, and sing harmony with my old pals, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Oh, as good they, for him. Yeah, as they celebrate their 50th anniversary, so you can check good out their them. schedule. 50 On the website, wow. www.nittygritty.com backslash tour. And so I went on there. Guess what? Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and photo with photo glow on bass and acoustic guitar is playing in Florida a lot in March 2017. So check them out and let them know how they are. And PSA, photo glow no longer has the mustache. Yeah. He just looks like a dude. And he only plays uh, Hollywood Steve submissions because he's in Florida and it's just a Yacht Rock concert. What was Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's hit? Mr. Bojangles, are you thinking of? Maybe. 
They had that, they had that, whole, that whole big uh, like traditional country album, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Yeah. Uh, and their, uh, their banjo player played with Steve Martin on a lot of stuff. Produced, uh, and the brother of that guy produced a lot of Steve Martin's comedy and banjo albums. Hey, by the way, everybody, did we talk about the video for this song? No. No. Yeah, look for that on the YouTube. It's a great music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place at the crossroads of the, of the world. Here in oh, L.A. That outdoor, like an early outdoor mall. Yeah. Still on Sunset Boulevard. Exactly. But it was still a beautiful place in sun-drenched California. Hmm. You guys want to have some laughs? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll try. You make me say, ow, 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 Man, I haven't heard this in a long time. Kind of had fun, uh, <laughs> fun researching this. Okay. So, uh, uh Try and Raps is my first episode. And uh, I felt it'd be oh so sweet to, re- to you know, if I'm going to do my first return episode to a genre I did, might as well go to my first one. Uh, so here we are with more extremely listenable songs. Did you say first or worst? Bet. He <laughs> said first. Yeah. I think I said best. F-W-O-R-S-T. Worst. Uh, Steve, I think at, to this point you're the only one to return... To a genre, right? And you've done so. it twice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, and but now I know why you Once do it. Once pre-planned, yeah. You can copy and paste your first episode. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. So what'd you paste? Oh, right, so here we go. Uh, try and raps used to fulfill three categories: uh, known or marginally successful at a profession, um, other than raps. In this case, it's obviously comedy. Uh, making a cynical attempt at a quick cash or, or appeal to an urban cool market. Mm-hmm. And how? Because this is what they're doing. Uh, and have no idea what they're doing, either culturally or technically. Uh, and this is very apparent because uh, they're comedians. But what's really surprising is they aren't really that funny either. Yeah. For the most mm-hmm. part, yeah. yeah so, uh, they, they really managed to miss the mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we have Chunky A, Dave. I, I, mm-hmm. I believe you're familiar with Chunky A. Yeah, I had this. Uh, I had this on cassette. Yeah, some say he may uh, he may have been Arsenio Hall, but the jury's well, still yeah, out. Nobody. He was pretty sure. large, to be fair. And yeah. in doesn't charge. really look like Arsenio Hall. Yeah, this is uh, this is his cameo-ish. Mm-hmm. Ow. Yeah. Because he is fat. Yeah, this is uh, I think the first single from the album Large and in Charge. <laughs> and like I said, I had this on cassette, which is remarkable because I maybe own three cassettes in my entire life because I went right from vinyl to CDs and then back to vinyl and I couldn't figure out why oh, back to vinyl <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to vinyl now <laughs> well I, I could still be buying CDs like old Steve over that's there that's true I'm a traditionalist yes um, I also download music legally um, but I realized the reason I had it is because it was this little band tape cassette and only on the tape was the cover it was different because um, Chunky A had his tiny little wiener out, and nobody nobody could see it because it was so tiny, and it got past the uh, the yeah. sensors. He's trying la- raps and laughs. Yeah. Uh, so I would have loved to have get this song on the list, but it, it's not rappy enough for me. It's very cameo, like uh, you said. Yes, and his rap songs from the album uh, Large and in Charge really aren't that good. So let's hear something with the right sound. Maybe. Yeah! There we are. Alright, here's a good one. This is a Weird Al with his original try and rap, Twister. Uh, 
So uh, I'll do a little work on this subgenre instead of all this copy and pasting. Uh, so one of the main things about trying raps is that there's an inherent lack of respect for the form. Uh, one might say it was a novelty. So hey, perfect for comedy, right? Uh, theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. Also, it was ultra hip at any time something is too too cool for school, it's rife for parody, especially when juxtaposed with something uncool. And we're going to hear a lot of that today, mm -hmm. uh, which is also perfect for comedy. Am I right, Steve? That's absolutely correct, Hunter. A absolutely theor theoretical. And finally, uh, hip-hop has a sense of humor. Uh, there's a legit subgenre of comedy raps like Bismarck here, The Fat Boys, or Digital Underground. And for the rap albums, actually reverse the try and rap, and they try and joked when they do all those skits in between the in between those songs. It's a hip-hop staple. Uh, yeah, let's see, anything else? What, was this on Polka Party? No, it was on Even Worse, and what's funny yeah. is that this is one of the, I was buying tapes when this came out, mm -hmm. but I was so, I was 11, or I was 10, I was so excited that Weird Al's Even Worse was out, and then when I went to Believe in Music in Muskegon, they were out of tapes, and I had to buy it on vinyl. Yeah. So this actually might have been the first vinyl I ever bought. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I had all, I still have all my old Weird Al. So you went to vinyl, vinyl, to tapes, back to vinyl. And now I'm back on tapes. <laughs> You've got just as large of a record collection as the rest of us, Mr. Riznar. <laughs> I'm not bragging that I'm back on I'm back on tape. Back now. on vinyl. It sounds so much purer. That's a thing now. Yeah, People are back I, on I'm, tapes. I'm actually cheap. Gonna, I'm gonna go back to shit. tapes, guys. Sure. Yeah. You want to count this down? Uh, yeah. Let's get ready to laugh. Let's let Weird Al finish this song out. He's got a really funny ending. The end. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. It's a funny rap voice. And then he tried to rap. Ten. MB, that's Milton Bradley. Okay. I want to get this one out of the way. This is Rappin' Rodney by Rodney Dangerfield. It was released as a 12-inch uh, in 1983 with Side A containing his stand-up routine called Rodney Rappin' and Side B containing this song and more stand-up with Rodney Continues Rappin'. It's so clever. They must have sold a million albums. Uh, a million singles. I didn't do the research, but I bet you they did. Yeah. Tasely. Yeah. Um, so I say I want to get this out of the way because I left this off the first try and rap, and I, I heard about it uh, nonstop af afterwards. So FYI, I left it off because I was, not because I was saving it for this show, but because he, do, he does rap on it, I don't think. this is. But the title says Rappin' Rodney. Yeah, I do. That's what everybody said. Yeah. Uh, I know. <laughs> it, 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 it barely puts any emphasis on the rap or the try, uh, <laughs> but it does deserve to be on the list because this is our highest charting song at 83. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> in the oh, U.S. Setting the, the bar US. high. Uh, so this may be Try and Rap's most famous song, and really it propelled the art form into the mainstream, you know what I mean? And what an art form it and, was. And what it is. Uh, uh, but it did bump another song that has the same thing about a, a rap by a comedian that contains no rap. So eh, I'll put that at the end for both. I, I, I think this is raps because he, he's not just doing his usual routine. He's doing his usual routine, but one that rhymes. So I think that's just enough to put it like. And there's also like more of a poetic lilt to his cadence. So like for Rodney Dangerfield, I'd say this is rap. Yeah, it's it's minimal effort, but he did write some rhymes. Yeah, it's, it's enough I, for ten. I, I feel like if you want to go by the strictest possible definition of hip-hop as beats and rhymes, then it would qualify. 
Yeah. But it's it it, it, it kind of sounds more like one of those Johnny Cash speak singing songs, like how he's been everywhere or something like that. Steve, just just say it's rap. Just say it's rap, Steve. Uh, Steve, I believe what you're referring to is t- the talking blues. Yeah, it's, yeah, which it's is what I blues. talked about in the first episode. Rodney Dangerfield does have the blues in this song because he gets no respect. He's talking about it. Uh, so a little background on this rapping Rodney. Um, so the music was produced by J.B. Moore and Robert Ford Jr. The coward Robert Ford Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shot Jesse James in the back. Uh, and they both Shot were- Jesse James Jr. in the back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they both worked with Curtis Blow, uh, most famously on The Breaks. <clears throat> Uh, so while this would go on to be influential in the ve- development of rap and hip hop, the sound was this the sound on this was definitely tethered to disco. <clears throat> and on that, <laughs> can you imagine if they put this on in a disco club in 1983? <laughs> I guarantee you they did. Yeah, like this at Pac-Man Fever. Yeah, I guarantee you they did. Um, Look at this. Uh, this <laughs> and you're gonna find that disco sound on a lot of these tries. Um, and I think that they had a lot of the. I think of a lot of the. The disrespect for the medium um, was due to the joke that disco had become by the early 80s. Yeah. And so there was so like hip hop rap was coming up just as disco was getting as like hilarious. And but rap kinda, was still borrowing from disco. Yeah. And so and so they, there wasn't a delineation between the two. So it was all a big joke. I think this, is, this beat is really good. I think I can see people dancing to it and it's, you can tell it was done by pros, which makes this part kind of pathetic where Rodney Dangerfield's making fun of the beat. It's like that's the best part, Rodney. <laughs> but your jokes are really his jokes are really good. He's hilarious. Uh, you're gonna want to watch the video on yeah. this one. Pat Benatar makes a cameo as yeah. the execution, executioner. And, you know, for another thing, it's a lot shorter than the song. It is. I, I found the lot the live version. By the way, uh, people at home, if you try to find this on your Spotify list, you're gonna get two songs. I think. <laughs> Uh, Twister and one more coming up. <laughs> um, I, this is what I like about this song is there's lo- it's five minutes long and there's long amounts of time between setup and punchline, so you can play a game of guess the punchline with your lover while you listen to it. Oh, fuck. I gotta get a lover and do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, then you'll lose the lover. Um, oh, okay. I'm gonna try a Ronnie Dangerfield style joke. Here we go. All right. Rapping is hard. They always want you on beat, and I can't do it. I'm so bad they call me beat off. That was a good JD joke. Yeah, I yeah. think that was better written than any joke in the song. Wait, I, I, I have I, I have one that fits the meter of the song. Okay. It's about how I get no respect on the podcast. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, you guys couldn't wait for Hard Organ to end. No respect, no respect. But then Dave bought an album by Lucifer's Friend. And we see it rhymes. That was pretty good. Steve, yeah. see? get on that Borscht Belt circuit, man. Yeah. You're a star. <laughs> That's wonderful. I want to make a lot of jokes. Audiences are going to laugh at them. It'll be great. After I watched... Uh, oh, sorry. I thought we were done. Oh, sorry. Okay. Good we got a lot of stuff Dave, to talk about. Dave has something very important to say. It's not that important. We no, can, no. We no, you, we we built up to it now. Yeah. Well, after after I listened to this, I went and watched a bunch of uh, Ronnie Dangerfield's stand-up. Yeah. And I came back to the conclusion that he really wasn't trying on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's good. Mm-hmm. Back to you. Nine. Oh. Hey, do you guys oh, like boy. impressions? <laughs> I hope so, because you're going to hear a bunch of them. And this is our uh, first foray. Listen. listen. Oh, Jesus. Okay, continue, sir. <laughs> this, this, is, this is our first foray into the mimicked 
this is Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, and very much Elmer Fudd with Wappin off of Dr. Demento's 20th anniversary collection, uh, which was released in 1991, but this song is from 1989. Had two years to cook. <laughs> Elmer Fudd is the easiest impression, and this sounds like my uncle doing it. <laughs> like, it's not that good of an Elmer Fudd impression. Huh. Your, your uncle gives great Fudd. He does. So, uh, I wonder, is, is this Daryl Hammond's uh, yeah, SNL talk about audition that. tape? Uh, yeah, no. read, read, read down the page. Yeah, I'll, uh, let's pretend Steve did edit, and then I'll do the reveal. Okay. Here we go. All right, we're back into it. Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I thought you said the artist already. Uh, so, in fact, well, yes, I did. Uh, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, and Elmer Fudd. Uh, in okay, so, Wappin' was the most uh, requested song on the Dr. Demento show in 1989. Uh, music was created by Chris Stakes. <laughs> Christopher Snell, and I couldn't find any info about him, uh, but he was described in the liner notes as Floridian. Hey, yep. <laughs> uh, but the real reason this terrible song is on this list is because of the youngster doing the Mel Blanc impressions, and that would be one, Steve? Daryl Hammond. Yes, Daryl Hammond, uh, who could also be described as Floridian, and as we know, would go on to be the longest tenured member of Saturday Night Live. I love Daryl Hammond, but this is—he's terrible in this. His Bugs Bunny is pathetic. It's all terrible. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't sound like Bugs Bunny. He, this, this is ten years before he got on SNL. I think. Oh, he ten had, years. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty to... sure this is what kept him off SNL for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was still just a Floridian. Um, I, Hunter, to go back for a moment, does the does the name Christopher Snell ring a, ba a bell to you at all? Because it really does to me. No. And I went deep, and I couldn't find anything on him. No, he's—I I went deep too, and he was. Floridian. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think this is a, a crucial inclusion to the Try and Raps list because it's got that classic, hey, doesn't all rap sound like this beat? <laughs> and it's in 1989. Yeah, this is really out of date by this point. Um, it's also a prime example of using rap to create uh, an anachronistic novelty, which I think all these songs really ha have. Even the first one, it was like, Old Man Rodney doing this ultra-modern sound. Those things don't go together. That's crazy. All right, and also, the people making them had no idea what rap actually sounded like in the year that they made this. <laughs> they were still catching up to like three or four years earlier. So really, what this is, is these are cartoon characters from the 1940s mixed with cr <laughs> that crazy modern sound. And, uh, you know, add in that speech and Impediment for for rap, and you get WAP, and it's pure hilarity. Don't you mess with uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's sorry. a cool countdown. Sorry. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, way better than OK Fella. Relax your mind. Eight. You can suck my dick, David Lyons, you piece of shit. OK Pella was a great show. It was a great countdown. I'll, I'll with agree with pretty the first, good music. I'll agree with the first half of that. I can suck your dick. Jim. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway, JD. Uh, oh, guys, you're missing all the fun stuff. Uh, so from 1940s cartoon characters to an actor that snitched from the 40s, uh, this is rap master uh, Ronnie credited to Rathel Bean and the Doonesbury Break Crew, um, but was written by Gary Trudeau and Elizabeth Swatos. Uh, who had a who had a musical theater background and who took the reins on this to make it a full-fledged Broadway production. And this is the second Doonesbury song we've covered in a month. Uh, I think this is perfect Doonesbury. 
When I listen to this and when I read Doonesbury, I say to myself, huh, I guess I'm not smart enough for this. Or, I, and I want to go to something I can wrap my funny bone around, like New Yorker cartoons. That's an 80s intellectual humor humor for you guys. They're very droll, those cartoons. Okay. There was there was a, a line between humor of Bloom County and Doonesbury, and I landed firmly on the side of Bloom County. Yeah, because it was actually funny. Right. I mean, Doonesbury was always there, and I probably looked at it at too young of an age, but like you said, Steve, Bloom County is fucking amazing. Yeah, you can actually laugh out loud at, at Bloom County. Yeah. I'm impressed. This is our, as J.D. said, this is our second Doonesbury uh uh, we're really song. cooking. We're cooking with gas here. And Dave was able to get Bloom County into both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed by <laughs> the that. The only two uh, cartoonists I'm aware of to be awarded the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. They're both, both wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, Rayfield Bean. Rayfield Bean. R E A T H E L. Yeah. Steve, how would you pronounce that? <laughs> Probably like you are. Okay, great. Uh, so we're on the same page. It's he, probably not phonetic. It's probably not rethal. It might be rethal. It could be rethal. Uh, so he he played Ronald Reagan in this production, um, and uh, he was an actor from, from Missouri. And it's, it's got to be Rathel then. Fun fact. He was credited as discovering Emmanuel Lewis <laughs> while jogging. By who himself? Yeah. Wait. No. Wait. I don't know. That's a good. That's a good point. Maybe. We should oh, hey, you know that guy? That guy over there? That's the dude that discovered Emmanuel Lewis while he was jogging. Uh, I, I believe he's doing vocals on this, and uh, and he's still working today with his last credited appearance being on the blacklist as Officer Duncan. No. So they couldn't get Rich Little for this. Oh, here's a fun thing no, no, no. about Rich Little. Oh, I th- are you going to talk about his rap? Yeah, he was first out of the gate with a Reagan rap. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Right. Talk about that later. I read forward, and I know that's your bone. That's your what didn't make the list. I don't think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. Dave, you spoiled yourself. Here's I always what, spoil myself. I deserve it. Here's what I don't understand <laughs> about these comedy rap songs. They all have unironic breaks in them. Like they take a lot of time to just like live in the beat with no jokes going on. It's really weird. Yeah, we we gotta take we gotta take a break so the audience can hear this this awesome groove well, that's t- like five years out of date. A lot of t- a lot of times this wasn't made for just listening to it on the radio, like on the radio or on your. Uh, what did you have at the time? Um, Vinyl or cassette? Let's see. This was what eighty. 87? I was into CDs then. All right. Not like now when I'm back to vinyl. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you're listening... Anyways, there's a great video for it. This was made for a video in a yeah. Broadway play. So during those break beats, you get to see... You get to oh. see Nancy, scr- like, poorly scratching. Okay, okay. And it's hilarious. Um, I bet. This 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 actually has some pretty biting political com- commentary. Almost too good to appear on this list, really. Uh, like the, maybe they know they're making a try and rap, and everything is on purpose. Purpose, but I don't know. It fits the narrative of Reagan cynically appealing to you know inner city black voters, but it's really bad. It's a bad rap. It's like you think if they if they really wanted to make a good Broadway musical that had a lot of people. Uh, Going and checking it out. They would have made a better song. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to cough. And I read the reviews on this. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, not good. <laughs> hey, Dave, I was out of the room getting a cough drop. I missed a good joke. Will you read your Manuel Lewis line again, please? 
Oh, um, fun fact. He was credited as discovering Emmanuel Lewis while jogging. Did he trip over him? Hey-oh! Thank you. Good job. Oh, this is seven. Hunter coughed over the number seven. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> this is this is three weeks of being sick. It sucks. All oh, y'all get away from me, man. Good segue. You know what else sucks? <laughs> Not, hey, careful. This is uh. This is more impressions here. This is what, three in a row? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Rappin' Duke by comedian Sean Brown. The Duke here is obviously uh, John Wayne, who had been dead for four years by the time this was released in 1983. Did he, this guy also do a Jack Nicholson rap? What other easy impressions? Like Jimmy Stewart rap? <laughs> Bob Dylan rap? Yeah. This was a one-hit wonder. I think this okay. is... He really rode this one. You're being generous. <laughs> uh, With wonder. Well, here's... Here's the thing. This, and hit. This try and rap had legit influence when it was referenced in the first verse of Notorious B.I.G.'s Juicy when he said, Remember rapping Duke, da ha da ha? He never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Which I think is a direct reference to how the raps were viewed as a novelty in 1983. I think, I think it could have been a comparison of good versus really, really terrible. I think you're onto something there with that uh, assessment. Well, he was, I mean, he was a young kid. <clears throat> I think he listened to this and was like, "This is pretty. This guy's pretty cool. I think we might want to pick up this rap thing." This is this is this is the first song on the countdown. Maybe the only one that would actually show up on a rap compilation. Like I have this somewhere. Like it's a Rhino Records Street Jams Hip Hop from the Top series of like really old school stuff. Um, yeah, this was. Is this beat by somebody of note? Did you find who did the beat? In your uh, I did, and I can look down. Um, His name was Casio. I think. <laughs> I think it was him and his brother. Okay. I think it was him and his brother, actually. Um, I didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure for my research it was him and his brother. Because um, I think Sean Brown was a was a was a musician. Um, he was originally from Chicago. Uh, was a member of the Air Force where he entertained his fellow soldiers. <laughs> and he uh, ended up moving to L.A. in the '80s to work as a stand-up, which isn't a Sean man. You're funny. You should like go to L.A. and become a comedian. You gotta, you gotta remember. Thank you very much, stranger. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about right there, Sean. You got to remember in the 80s, comedy clubs were giant. Like, yeah. It wasn't like but, now. Like. But it's also the same origin story as uh, Bobby Boris Pickett and the Monster Mash. Turned his nightclub act into a song. <laughs> hey, that guy made a lot of money, right? Yeah, I, I, it's unknownst, It's unbeknownst to me which uh, which one performed better. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Brown did original music and impressions as part of his act and spun that into the rap and Duke here. Um, my assumption is that this one killed amongst his military buddies. Yeah. Like, this is the one, guys. Yeah. This is what I'm going to build my career on. I like that at one point in this song, he, uh, he appropriates the laughing catchphrase, you bet your sweet bippy. Like, the John Wayne impression is one of the most current references he's dropping in this <laughs> except for the rapper's delight quote late in the song oh god this is such a good song so this song was so popular he ended up being the opening act for stevie wonder and also new edition oh god on their tours yeah he spun this into a morning dj career and he's currently making children's music oh and did i mention that sean is black over here no 
I only say this because people are often thrown by the John Wayne impression. Um, and also, the try and rap is an extremely white genre. Well, it also explains why they never show his face in the uh, video. It's all silhouette or from the neck down. <laughs> like Bobby Caldwell. And he's got gloves on. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy this lame rap if they know it's from a black guy. Yeah. The video is pretty good, too. Yeah, that, this guy being black sucks every last bit of comedy out of it. Then I commenced a doing the... Now she's gone, and I have to say... He's a very Six. big day, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these... Can I say this right off the top? This sketch isn't funny. It's British. That means you're really quite successful, doesn't it? That's what happens. You can, you can keep it moving, who knows? Yeah, no doubt about it. The three pin. Jesus. So, we're ready. We're ready when you are. Okay. Oh, here we go. So this is our first first uh, foreign submission. Um, I'm guessing no one has any recollect, recollection of this. One. Nope, none. I, so I had never. This was. A, I turned this one up in my research. Um, it's a British comedy band called Morris Minor and the Majors with the song Stutter Rap from 1988, which is essentially a parody of No Sleep Till Brooklyn, uh, subtitling the song No Sleep Till Bedtime. Ah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> Look, those, from those a name, for, from a title like that to their ironic name, Morris Minor and the Majors, these guys are hilarious. These, yeah. are, these guys are cut-ups, uh, I tell you. This reached number four in the UK, so it was a legitimate hit there. Um, it, it was number 14 in Canada and number two in Australia, so this was a significant song in the Commonwealth. Oh, I'm here. glad we left. Yeah. At, at, yeah. <laughs> we, we fought a war to get away from this shit. Uh, at, honestly, at first, the song's like kind of listenable until they get to the stuttering and then it just fucking sucks yeah it, make, it just makes me want to listen to das fx so you hear hear it done well and without like the making fun of stuttering people aspect of the comedy like this quote unquote it's cool to make fun of stuttering people the king's speech made fun of a stutterer and it won an oscar oh yeah that, that was a hilarious comedy stop hilarious yeah, laugh right yeah could have used a blooper reel i was yeah. laughing they had one you had to wait to the end oh yeah that's why i missed the one on schindler's list yeah i left the theater during the credits the blooper reel is just colin firth reading his lines straight and going <laughs> i forgot to stutter <laughs> 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 so this this band consists of Tony Hawks, who is Morris Minor, Paul Bor Boras, who went by Rusty Wing. Paul Boras, Boras, who went because by Borsas. I guess. Well, no, that would, no, he's Rusty. He Rusty Wings us. Oh, um, and is that one of those fret boy sex things? I don't know. And Phil Judge as Phil or up. <laughs> That's one of those fret boy sex things. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I would have gone for <laughs> Phil. Anthropist. Uh, That's not I don't dirty. know how to answer these really? bad jokes. You, you don't have to stop making them. Hunter, read the paragraph. Uh, Hawks Haw spun the success of this song into a show called Morris Miner's Marvelous Motors. Of course. Which was about him running in an auto shop while being a pop star, I, I think. Uh, I guess Morris Miner is the name of an extremely British car produced from the 40s to the 70s. So that's the joke with the name. It was the name of, I don't get of it. a shitty car. And he named himself that? I didn't. Oh, I got uh, it. He's, he's still a working comedian actor, and it was uh, known for supporting roles in the sci-fi comedy Red Dwarf. Um, not much info on Filler Up, except that he's an actor. But Paul Boros, your guy, Steve, is now known as the Pitch Doctor, <laughs> and he can help you fix your life and help you pitch your big idea. Oh, thank God. I got a lot of big ideas. Pitch, pitch Doctor.
doctors and pitch contests are ripoffs. I learned that on the Script Wrote Notes podcast, a podcast about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. It's worthwhile to look up the pitch doctor and see his bullshit like, breaking news! Clearly not news. Also, I don't think he's a real doctor. Huh. I, you know I, what? I don't remember this part of the song because I never got this far. <laughs> uh, you and me both. This is a decent, par- uh, decent parody, but the chorus needs work. It's a weird fucking chorus. It, it feels so out of place. Yeah, um, and, and they dropped the Beastie Boys accents, which takes you out of it and also leaves me unsure of exactly what the fuck they're making fun of. Yeah, uh, they eventually do the no sleep till bedtime thing. They just throw it in at the end. Um, That's right. And it's interesting that they try and wrap the song that was extremely rock-heavy uh, for the Beasties. Uh, and this is famously featured Carrie King Carrie King, yeah. Um, and whose title was a send-up of Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith live album. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a weird rap they tried here. And just, and just a public service announcement. It's really not... It's really super mean to make fun of stutterers. The only speech impediment that's cool to make fun of is when nothing but wrong facts vomit out of your mouth. Not sure I follow. Let's get it all out. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck away from me. Hey. Oh, thank God there's a good song on the countdown. Ah, chunky A. Well, welcome to <laughs> Muslimia. This is Cat Stevens, a.k.a. Yusuf. But if you want to sing out, sing out. Uh, so, if you want to say, they don't make movies like they used to, J.D. Hey, hey they don't make movies like they used to, J.D. I, I will fight you. Oh, oh Hunter. Interesting, oh, no. interesting movies are still being made. They just aren't in your face. You, can, you can't get an entire nation to go see a nice grown-up movie like Love Story or Terms of Endearment anymore, but they're still making grown-up movies on a smaller, more independent level. There's been no shortage of great, short, uh, great grown-up movies. But then... If you show me Harold and Maude and say they don't make movies like they used to, I will back off from that fight. There has not been a movie quite like Harold and Maude since Harold and Maude. It's perfectly weird and touching and fantastic and true. It's from 1971, directed by Hal Ashby, one of the greatest directors of all time. So it's got this that thick, dour, golden age of cinema feel. It's about uh, a young man with a death fetish who falls in love with an old lady with a life fetish. Uh, the movie practically writes itself. Uh, Bud Court and Ruth Gordon give iconic performances and they're so good that when 20-something Harold bones 80-year-old Maude you're not like, ew you're like, hey buddy, save some of that sniz for me Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful love story and the soundtrack uh, in no small part helps it Yeah, this, this the soundtrack is loaded with songs by Cat Stevens and this is one of the best It's a song he wrote just for the movie it captures Maud's attitude beautifully. She teaches Harold that enjoying life is a choice, just as not enjoying life. And she makes no judgment. Live your best life. And this song is a nice little, nice little crib note for that message. It's a catchy musical mnemonic that'll help you live the best version of your life when you start to lose your path. It's easy. Um, and I like the cat. St- I like Cat Stevens from this era a lot. Uh, this mode of folk somehow elevates above what I usually think of when I hear folk. 
smoke. Like there's a few incredible performers from this era who could who could just take a guitar and their voice and make something that sounds much more dynamic. Men folk. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I really like when, I really like when you make a real poignant statement and and Dave just gives a. Because I always look at Dave when I make them. Yeah. Well, I, I had nothing to add. I mean, he pretty much summed it up. You added a lot. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to talk about locations. Hmm. The movie itself didn't do too well when it came out. It was a commercial it, flop. It became like a cult yeah. hit, like a like a Absolutely. ran midnight as a midnight movie in like college towns for like a decade. Exactly. I think all the uptight Mr. Normals couldn't handle the uh, age difference. Plastic fantastic. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh, Harold uh, tricks his general uncle that he wants to kill somebody, and uh, it's filmed at the Su Sutro Sutro bathhouses, the ruins of these old magnificent bathhouses. You can still go there. It's on the northeast side of uh, San Francisco, just below the cliff house. And you can still see the hole that Mod falls through. It's been concreted over, yeah. but it's still there. I highly, highly, you got to hike a bit, but it's there. Another fun film location, the boardwalk. Same boardwalk where we saw a uh, young Timmy Capello blow his horn in The Lost Boys a few years later. Oh, man. Hmm. Also, a young really Tom, sexy area young Tom Skerritt cameo playing a cop, but I'll talk more about that later. Um, so if you've never seen Harold and Maude, or you've never heard an early Cat Stevens album like T for the Tillerman or Mona Bone Jack on, stop this dumb podcast right yeah. now. You've Watch got more or important things to do. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? Plug hole. That's what this is. Ocean City Defender, I'm still playing the music that I bought from his band camp. Yeah. Bandcamp.oceancitydefender.com. Yeah. It's good. Because I spent it's like twenty dollars on his EPs mm -hmm. and I want to use the music. Get your money's worth. Yeah, I want to get my money's worth. Uh, put that in our financial document. You can write that off. Oh, very nice. Yeah. We'll talk this, about that. We'll this talk song's about. called Some Local Heights and Failures. Um hey. Hey, Dave and I are going to be yeah. on the NPR show World Cafe mm -hmm. on March 15th. Yep. Oh, thanks for inviting Steve and I. Well, yeah, here's the thing. We were all going to be on, and then the day before, the producer emails me. is like, can we only have two of you? Oh, wait. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That yeah. was forever ago. Yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago. That was yeah. in December. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was so long ago that the, the best modern yacht song that they could ask us about was Young Gun Silver Fox. Yeah. Thundercat hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Thundercat. So hopefully they'll talk about Thundercat on the show. Yeah, and they hit us out of the blue with some yachter yachts, and we didn't have our notes. Yeah, we didn't have you two. Yeah. <laughs> so Ouch. we didn't do. A, hopefully, we did a good job. I think Ouch. we did. Yeah. Those are. That's why those, you got to wing it sometimes. Those yachter yachts aren't canon. To people. No. Who are yeah, listening. they are not canon. They are approximations. Right. Um. What else? Oh, uh, I uh, I jotted down some uh, Patreon uh, nicknames. Oh, great. Oh, great. People. Hey, good, thanks for contributing to our Patreon. You, you get a shout out if you if you contribute at a certain level. So let's shout these people out. All right. I got, uh, let's see here. Whoa. Whoa. Sorry, sorry. That was a short song. Five. Get it. Hey. hey oh, shit. Oh, How much money did you spend on that, J.D.? It's so short. Yeah. I don't know. It's only a minute and a half song. I didn't realize. Wow, so get your shit bucks. together, Ocean City Defender. Jesus, what are you trying to Pull. Get your shit. You write longer songs. What's wrong with you? Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. Patreon. We got Andy Nurple Hayes. We got Jeff Jeffrey Pinot. We got Jay Christopher Christopher J. Aronson. We got Yacht Rock Robot. We got Jonathan Kumquat Bannister. 
And we got Michael Astagrasso. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for contributing to Patreon. Hey, make you make sure you use your new nicknames everywhere you go. Particularly you, kumquat. <laughs> I'm looking at you, kumquat. You piece of shit. Um, what about... And you, should, you should have nicknamed one of them Mona Bone Jackoff. Oh, yeah. Next time. Next time. Hey, contribute to our Patreon. You might be Mona Bone Jackoff. Um... <laughs> Go to YachtRock.com, buy a t-shirt, check out the captain's blog, buy some jean meat buttons. Maybe we'll have some more merch up by by this time. Who knows? There's no telling because yeah. we're recording this way ahead of schedule. Um, what else? Oh, um, bumpers today. Oh. Oh, I forgot Dave, goddamn, that's Dave's job. Sorry. Dave's job is bumpers. Hey, who did the bumpers today? Well, there's a little fella named Jeff Selby. Find him on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Yankee. Oh, you're not going to fool me again, Ocean City Defender. Yeah, fucking asshole. Um. I hate that guy. I just caught that in the end of that song. Okay, so Jeff Selby sent these bumpers in, and he says, uh, he calls them Dave David Bowie and Friends bumpers. This is basically it's David Bowie's countdown to liftoff from Space Oddity with some acapella friends of Beyond Yacht Rock, Freddie Mercury, Toto, Steve Perry, Michael McDonald, Michael Jackson, David Lee Roth, Mike Patton, etc. Wow. This guy writes like Hollywood Steve. I hope they work for you. If not, it was fun to make them. They work for me. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. I yeah. like them. Great. I'm having a good time. Yeah, good time. Five. All right, finally wait, wait. a good song. Hold on a second. Good stuff. It's the honeymooners. It's the fucking honeymooners. Wait, in a rap? <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so relevant. So topical. Who would think? Who would think to like be to pretend to be the honeymooners and like have them rap? You know, what was the show you were on in uh, in Minneapolis? Crap from the past. So, the right after you left, was it still the same show? Yes. Who who was the who was the DJ that was there? Uh, Ron Boogie Monster Gerber. Yeah, he he played this song right after you left, and his I think to paraphrase. All right, I gotta get uh, I gotta get some of that yacht rock out of the system. <laughs> so, so somebody asked what would be the opposite of yacht rock. It might be this, and that's that would be according to Ron Boogie uh, Boogie Monster Gerber, KFAI, Minneapolis, crap uh, in the past. So, all right, so here's some more impressions, some more uh, anachronisms. Yeah, SNL alum, alums, all that stuff. Uh, this is Joe Piscopo with his nod to Baby Boomer TV with the Honeymooners rap. He's a classic. From his 1985 album, New Jersey. Oh, that's where Bon Jovi got that album title idea from. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) This came a year after he left Saturday Night Live, um, but he was able to bring his old buddy, Eddie Murphy, to do a spot uh, as uh, Art Carney, a.k.a. Norton, to Piscopo's Jackie Gleason, a.k.a. Ralph Cramden. I got a theory about that. I think he just took uh, stuff from old SNL clips. And I don't think he brought Eddie Murphy into the studio because this was a SNL cl- uh, skit, right? Yeah, they played. I don't know. Yeah, it was. I, I swear it was, but I couldn't find a clip. No, of it, it absolutely I don't have Hulu, was. So I couldn't. Do yeah, it. yeah, Eddie Murphy. And in depending on when this was recorded, I found different dates. Uh, you said this came out in '85. Yes, but it looked like there was a recording of it in '82. If it was '82, maybe it was Eddie Murphy. If it was actually recorded in '84. Not a chance. Eddie Murphy was way too famous, way too busy. Science. It's really hard 
to research garbage music. It yes, is. it is. But this is nobody but cares about preserving this is on the an info. Album. Here's the thing: why I thought they were able to actually get the 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 footage from SNL because it was during the five years that Lauren Michaels wasn't there. Yeah, we'll get to that. And he didn't own everything. Let's talk about that, Dave. So uh, the Joe Piscopo. Uh, he's from Jersey and pursued a comedy career at an early age, hitting clubs in New York City. He joined uh, Saturday Night Live in 1980 at the age of 28 and became comedy partners. Uh, he found a kindred spirit with 19-year-old Eddie Murphy. Um, this was the year Gene Dumanian took over the show from Lauren Michaels, uh, which was a bad time for everybody. Dick Ebersole would end up taking over uh, after Charles Rocket said fuck, and everybody got fired except for uh, Eddie and uh, mm-hmm. Joe, um, who were retained, and the show was built around them. Really more Eddie Murphy. Yeah, well, if you if you have to pick one. They, they would both leave in 1984 to have movie and music careers uh, Eddie's party all the time would come out uh, the same year as this and reach number two uh, Honeymooners rap would not um, uh, career highlights of Mr. Piscopo for me uh, Danny Berman and Johnny Dangerously absolutely uh, Doug Bigelow in the comedy horror classic Dead Heat. Anybody see that? Oh, yeah. Treat Williams, great stuff. And, of course, uh, Mr. Comedy in Star Trek Next Generation. That explains why Joe Piscopo was on the Star Trek cruise with our bitter enemies, the Yacht Rock Review. That would be why. He was Mr. Comedy. He played the role. The the holodeck created the perfect comedian. And it was was Joe Piscopo. Piscopo. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, Not a ton of info on this. Uh, I think the try explains itself. But fun fact, uh, I found two credits on this that impressed me. First, Grand Mixer DST, uh, who I'm sure did most of the heavy lifting on this. He is best known as one of the first turntablists and scratched on the song Rocket. Oh, by Herbie Hancock. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I hear it. It's like hearing a Jay Graydon solo. Yeah, (laughs) I recognize it. Uh, There's also some horn playing on this song, and apparently it's avant-garde instrumentalist John Zorn. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, He's in there somewhere, and Steve, you mentioned him in the Jello Shots episode. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Blew your John mind, huh? Zorn That's on this. <laughs> he, he probably didn't know what he was getting into. <laughs> they, these guys were big stars in like at yeah. this in after 1984, like yeah, especially Eddie Murphy. You know, similar I, career. I never thought I'd speak ill of uh, Joe Catch a Rising Star Piscopo, but this song sucks shit. Hey, let me let me talk about the Honeymooners because I learned some fun facts about the Honeymooners. They, the Honeymooners was only on for one season. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's only 39 episodes from that one season, which is also crazy. Yeah, that's how many there were back then. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking episodes. Gilligan's Island was on for three seasons. And there's like 100 and there's episodes. Like eight. Yeah, there's like 2,000 episodes. Yeah, like 4,000. Yeah. And even after the show's run, Jackie Gleason did a, had a variety show, and they did Honeymooners sketches yeah. on it. Yeah. And it also it spawned the Flintstones. Yeah, it also spawned the Flintstones. Flintstones was just Honeymooners. Mooners and Chris yeah. It's fantastic. Anything else in this one, guys? It's, it's great. Just let me tell you now. I think this one's actually got a got a good beat to it. It's, it's a good one. Right, and so with that, you know, give it a listen, little listen. 
catchy, right? Yeah. It's a nice disco. Toe tapping. Yeah. Sig, they're saying Sig Hell. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with the best, what I think is probably the best, most pleasant sounding song on here. Uh, and this one is pretty catchy. Uh, this is Mel Brooks doing that early disco rap with To Be or Not To Be, a.k.a. the Hitler rap from 1983. It's from the movie To Be or Not To Be, which I assume is about World War II and not Hamlet. Uh, this is one of the few Mel Brooks movies I've never seen. It, maybe it's because he didn't direct it. Um, but it should be noted that his co-star was his wife and Bancroft. Oh. Yeah. She was a fox. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is relevant parody today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Come on, don't bring us down. Listen to hilarious raps. <laughs> yeah, put it, hang it on me. At some point in the song, Mel Brooks says the phrase "Octung baby," which I think might actually be the Bon Jovi thing I just joked about. I think YouTube might have actually gotten the album title from this song because I can picture Bono laughing his ass off at this. Oh yeah. When was when was with the Octung baby? That was 1990, 90s, I think. Okay. Wow, well, so he really so he held on to it for seven yeah. years. Uh, so uh, apparently. Yeah, you're assuming that Bono saw this the moment it came out. Uh, yeah, he probably it gets. It probably came to Ireland a little late. Hi, I'm Alt Rights Richard Spencer, and I think this song is just awesome. I love it when white people rap. They are genetically the best rappers. Didn't he tell us it wasn't cool to make fun of speech impediments? No, unless but, unless it's a Nazi. Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm just a Nazi. Uh, God. Apparently, this didn't this didn't appear in the film, uh, but the music video aped a burlesque scene. Um, it also contains the line, uh, "Don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party," which uh, was a line from uh, at at the time a vastly underrated movie, The Producers. Uh, I feel like there's too much to say about Mel, so I'll just summarize most of it with that. He's a comic genius relevant since the 1950s. And musically, this almost works as like a, a modern 80s update of the, the springtime for Hitler bit and the producers. You know why that movie is underrated, I think? Well, I don't because think I, it is now. I think people no, know about it since but the I stage. Think part of why it was underrated is that the opening scene between uh, Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel's characters takes like 20 fucking minutes. It is interminable. But that was the pacing of movies back then. But it, no, you don't have a 20-minute scene in one office where you're laying out the entire plot of the movie. Uh, it's... Was it a movie first? Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, yeah it was like, I think it was one of his his earliest movies. Yeah, it was. That makes sense on the Mel Brooks timeline. And it was completely overshadowed by his later stuff, the Young Frankenstein. And yeah, and I, I still remember... Uh, I don't want to say. I'm going to screw it up. No. Something about... No, do a lion. Um, like, they wanted to do Blazing Saddles next, but they ended up doing Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, instead. I'm sure that's... No, think, nope. no, Blazing Saddles was before Young Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So. Because Blazing Saddles I think it was had Robin a terrible Hood ending. Prince, uh, uh, Men in Tights. Men in Tights, yeah. yeah. I think or, Dracula, or Spaceballs. Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yeah, I think that's was what that one is. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey. Oh, go, oh, go. Oh, Richard, go Richard Spencer here just want to say I'm Spencer, really enjoying this song. It's so good. It's so good. My jeans are good, too. Uh, go ahead, Hunter. Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. I told myself I'd never interrupt a white person before, so I'm so sorry. It's okay, Richard. I know you, you have a hard time 
Yeah, you've been getting punched a lot. I know. I hate it. But I love being white, though. It, it's a sacrifice. Uh, so, interesting thing about the song, um, it's, it's, you know, early, so obviously you can hear that hip-hop hasn't diverged from disco, and you can really hear it in this song. This hit number 12 in the UK and number 3 in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, like I said, I think it's a pretty good song with a pretty killer chorus and bridge. Uh, the video is really awesome. Yeah. And uh, Mel's pretty good on the mic, to be honest. Um, most likely because he are already had a tr- had a try and rap in 1981 with "It's Good to Be the King" from History of the World Part One, which peaked at number 69 on the R&B chart, making Steve you like this. Wow. Mel Brooks, the first white rapper to appear on the R&B chart. Wow. 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 Yeah, the Beastie Boys. That just blew my mind. <laughs> the Beastie Boys would be the next one, and that wouldn't be until 1986. <laughs> I don't know who was who was next. Uh, maybe third base. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah that's mm-hmm. it. That's all I have for this. Richard, do you have any? Yeah, Richard. I just want to say that Nazis don't die because our genes are white and we're the best. Rabbit, rabbit, Pepe the Frog, rabbit, is it, rabbit. The, does I'm anybody the, have any fun things about Tom Scarrett? Dave, you said you, yeah, you, you advertised right. earlier you were going to yeah, talk more about Tom Scarrett. This is a fun fact flashback. I brought up Tom Scarrett earlier. His cop character in Harold and Maude is credited as M. Borman in the credits. Martin Borman was Hitler's personal secretary, and he gets a shout out from Mel in this song. Oh! Oh uh, my that's, God. that's what fun made fact. me. That's what I made me look that. it up. Richard, you should. Richard but should I knew be that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I should have. I should have just texted you. I knew. Uh, Tom Scarrett said he used the name in the credits because he joked that Borman was hiding. Yeah, uh, he would like had va- vanished at that point. They thought he escaped, and Tom said, "Yeah, he's probably living in Oakland, working as a bike cop." So that was his inspiration. Was a former Nazi, but this theory was disproven when they found the Nazi's body and identified it in 1972. Oh. Yeah, that didn't happen. He's still alive. Because, like I said, Nazis don't die. And I know everything. I remember everything because I'm white. I have good genes. Good genes. All right, genes. I'm All right get out of here now. denim color anymore. God, I'm so glad he's gone. Whoa. Three. Yes. This I enjoyed good. this one a lot, yeah, actually. I did too. Listen, we're at the top half of the of the of the try and raps and laughs, so we're gonna enjoy this. Uh, so this one uh, was com- also completely new to me, and um, I've learned it's difficult to find. This is Rick Moranis with Ipanema rap from his 1989 album You, Me, The Music, and Me, <laughs> which I think is half serious, half comedy, because I have no idea because it was released by IR- IRS Records. Oh, yeah, a lot of their stuff is out of print. Yeah, and it was. I think this is on a limited pre- uh, pressing and maybe only in Canada, and no one has it. I feel like a modern day equivalent might be like Tim Heidecker like he puts out an album and it's, it's kind of funny but is it is he being serious I don't know you mean like Heidecker and Wood Heidecker and Wood I mean, or like he's, he's he put out a solo album and you're like yeah, this is legit music but there's a smirk to it but this is a little more jokier than that well yeah this, yeah, this song is, is this is turning the girl that. from Ibanema into a rap song yeah, yeah and there's a, a video that goes along with it 
Yes, there is. Uh, so Rick Moranis. I missed Rick Moranis. I don't know about you guys. Uh, he was from Toronto, Canada, and went to elementary school with Getty Lee. Whoa. Man, what a talent factory that one was. Yeah. Uh, he was a radio DJ for a while. Um, a character you can see on the video to this song and also on SCTV. Uh, he eventually joined SCTV in its third season despite not having any Second City training. Um, I guess SCTV was originally a bunch of regional stations on a bunch of regional stations in Ontario, but moved to the CBC the year he joined. Um, and they and they needed something really, really Canadian that year. Uh, so they got Rick and Dave Thomas to develop the Great White North sketches with Bob and Doug McKenzie. And this star was born, and I think we all know the rest. Yeah. And I think that I think this is the funniest song in the countdown because there's no jokes in it. Yeah, it's I, conceptual. Yeah, I just crack up every time Rick Moranis goes, she's real good looking. Yeah, I love that because it is the subtext of the girl from Ipanema, yeah. like the original song. It's can just, we, oh, there's this hot girl walking past me Can we me talk about beach. our favorite parts? I really like when, when he says, Ipanema tan. <laughs> <laughs> tan. Ipanema tan. I like, tall. I like Ipanema when he's. Ipanema tall. That's so funny. I also like when he's like, young, real young, because I like him that way. Because like, if you think about the narrator of the girl from Ipanema, he's a little fucking creepy. He just stared at this young girl walking past him on the beach. Oh, she'll never want me. Uh, <laughs> don't watch the video, though, people. Enjoy the song. Don't watch the Because the video's full of jokes and they aren't funny. Like, like, there's three dancers that have jackets on the back that spell out rap. Rap, yeah. But then they mix them up, and Rick Moranis wears a different letter every time on his shirt. So they spell things like harp and par four. <laughs> uh, and then Rick Moranis dresses like 1989, like a prayer Madonna, and it's not funny. You should watch like, the video. I'm sorry. It's, but, the only but, way you're going to hear this song is to yeah, go look true, up the video on YouTube. Yeah. Him in his regular green outfit, I'm laughing, because it's a weird song, and he's dressed weird, and it's a weird video. Well, aside from Madonna, there's like some of him being Bono in there, walking around in black and white. And then those dudes in the green jacket, I feel like that's a trope I've seen somewhere. Well, okay, like so a Fine Young Cannibals video, but not that. It, uh, well, I, I I talk about it later. It, it, he kind of looks like Devo meets Kim Jong-il. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so this record came out when he was huge. He was like, uh, this was like, like, like Ghostbusters days. No, this like is Ghostbusters. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk yeah. the Kids. Yeah. Like this was when he was the star of a huge Disney movie, um, and if you watch, if you watch the video, you can see all these characters that he's. I think he's develop, developing for this album, for whatever reason, um, including a five o'clock shadow having double neck guitar carrying dude in a trench coat and a ponytail. <laughs> and my guess is this guy was his. I'm a huge star, and I'm going to make an album character like Don Johnson or Bruce Willis with Bruno. Like he was just like I'm bigger than everything. It, it's a, it's a weird character he has walking around in the video, and it's also on the, the um, album cover. Um, uh, maybe it's an SCTV character. Tell me on Twitter if, if it is. I don't is. think it is. Uh, nevertheless, uh, this in this one he's doing is try and rap character, and like we were talking about, he really looks like Devo meets Kim Jong Il. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I don't know where it comes from. Also, Eugene Levy is in the video, and as Dave knows, he's best known for jerking off in an adult yeah. movie theater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god! What is it? Two. This is the song, because it has the long intro. It, you know, we have a lot to say about this song, so let's let it go.
But why don't you, yeah, go ahead and talk. Yeah, th- this is originally going to be my number one for two reasons. One, it was uh, the the first Try and Raps, even though they are, uh, wait, hold on. What, what? Sorry, I wrote this a while ago. Oh, the raps in the beginning, even though are dumb, they make me laugh. We'll get to that part. Mm. Um, and two, I found it last year uh, well, yep, searching yep, for obscure yacht rock. Right, here it is. It's so dumb. It's great. But Chevy Chase is great. He's great. He's back in his heyday. He's really funny. Making fun of rappers' delight. Exactly. And I was looking. So I was looking for obscure yacht rock. And when I heard this, all I could think of is, man, I need to do another try and rap just devoted to comedy, so I can make this one number one. So really, it inspired the show. And nevertheless, I dropped this. This is Rapper's Plight by Chevy Chase. Um, because, well, number one will speak for itself. The, uh, the AV Club uh, determined this musical comedy album to be neither musical or comical. And assuming Ho- Hunter chose the best song on the album for number one, I'm going to have to agree. Uh, yeah. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. Um, so let's give this the bone throw treatment. Uh, Chevy Chase is kind of Yacht Rock's comedian. Uh, as most people know, he was an early Steely Dan called Leather Canary. Oh. Uh, I, I did not know that was their name. Yeah. He joined uh, the psychedelic band Chameleon Church before Ugh. moving on to comedy. <laughs> I'll take the Leather Canary, please. Uh, he would make an appearance on Steely Dan's friends. Boonas. Boonas. A.K. Terrence Boylan's album Susie. I have that on vinyl. Oh, you know I'm back to vinyl now. I heard. That's what we. Yeah. Word on the street. Very sophisticated. Uh, and then this is his self-titled 1980 uh, coked-up comedy album. Um, which, oh, that's what makes him Yacht Rock's comedian. Well, that yes, uh, yeah. And it has some names on it, so let's hear some names. Richard T. on piano, Neil Steubenhaus on bass, Chuck Finley on trumpet, Steve Gadd on drums. Bobby Kimball on background vocals and Victor Feldman on percussion, but not a single Yacht Rock track for your information. But do you know what those players mean? It means they've dumped a fuckload of money into this album. Yes, they did. Well, Chevy Chase came from a fuckload of money. So do you, do you think Chevy Chase does all the voices in this? Like when he's doing the black voice, do you think he actually went into blackface like he did in Fletch? He wore blackface yes. in Fletch, ladies and gentlemen. He had a dream he was good on the Lakers. He yes. had an afro and slightly and it was tan on the Poster too. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, what, it was like 6'4", 6'6", 3", 6'9", with afro. With an afro, yeah. Say what you will about the movie, Fletch, the novel, a wonderful read. Hmm. I bet. Good beach novel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fletch, a lot of it takes place at the beach. Yeah. That's where James Avery was. Uh, doesn't matter. Hmm. James so, Avery? Yeah, he was in Fletch. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he was in Fletch. Yeah, he was and License to Drive, which I just watched last yeah, weekend. Yeah, he was the driving instructor. Doesn't hold up. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask? What real the, rapey. I, what is the plot of this song? Because I did not understand uh, what the fuck was going on. I'm in a plot plight here. An unsuspecting character goes to a disco party to buy some Coke. Uh, the deal goes sour because the pusher is trying to cut out the owner of the apartment where the party is. And then some of the party-going squares get robbed by unsavory 
disco thugs. Oh, those are the worst kind. So the character leads a bad scene with no drugs. See, I, story. I took it as uh, the song starts with this nonsense version of Rapper's Delight, which comes across as in a rather ignorant, racist kind of okay, way. Okay, hold on. To be fair, to, Dave, to be fair, Rapper's Delight was nonsensical on its own. Yeah, like when the, when the when SNL did their like old school rappers sketch, it was it was two guys two two guys rapping gibberish. Yeah, it's on its head on its own. Skiddly bebop, a wee rock, a Scooby Doo. So it wasn't like pure raps. It's just rhymes. I get that. It's just rhyming. I, I know you want you want to shit on Chevy Chase. I was trying to. Go for it. I was trying to develop that into a joke, and you just sort of jump right in. Dave, you know we have a passion for accuracy. There was no need for that accuracy. <laughs> Anything else on this song, guys? Yeah, uh, so this was once again super disco-y. Um, Sugar Hill Gang released this in the fall of night, this song, or not this song, but the Rapper's Delight, in the fall of 1979. So rap was literally just invented. Um, and so I'm sure Chevy thought he was doing a try and disco and was jumping on the wacky rhyme thing. Um, the song's about coke and it's about a disco party, uh, but unfortunately for him, Rapper's Delight would create a whole new genre and uh, and have a huge effect on modern culture, and now he just looks like an asshole making fun of minorities. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. That's, well, that's kind of what I was going to get to, and then I was going to say the song was just autobiographical. For being a dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And racist. <laughs> Yeah. You still could have got to that part. It's I did. okay. I was just a brief defense of Chevy Chase. He didn't develop his racism until a little bit later. Run on one more time. Oh my God. One. Wow. Stop. That was awesome. <laughs> that might have been our best number one bumper. That was really yeah. good. Gave me lift off. <laughs> He's got a big boner. All right. Hey, guys. We're at the end. Um, so this is what bumped Chevy. And uh, I like this song. Cracks me up every time I listen to it. This is a laugh out loud funny. I laugh at it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, this is Eddie Murphy with Boogie in Your Butt, uh, which is you're keeping track at home is the only song without rap or, to be fair, WAP in the title. Uh, so bravo, Eddie. Uh, this is off, off of his 1982 self-titled album, which relies heavily on his SNL routines. And it's material that would get him banned on Twitter and fired. Yeah. Yeah, he had a real homophobic streak back then. He came oh, back a then. lot of fire. I, I didn't know if it was the time or the age or something deeper, but it was a real staple. <laughs> of his early humor. I, it, it, so, you, you say his early humor. Do you think early on he was still grappling with his attraction to transsexual hookers at that time? Something deeper. I don't know. He gave them, he just gave them rides, guys. He was an innovator. He was the first Uber, but only for transsexual hookers. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a valuable service. LA is a tough town to get around in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People need rides. Especially when you have man legs walking in heels. But I shouldn't say that. I, that was homo. That was transphobic. I'm sorry about that joke. Well, uh, we talked about it in the Bob Seger musical. <laughs> like once you've had that many kinds of sex, you, you, you get tired. Yeah, you, you gotta you need gotta get a little more, little more exotic. What did you write, JD? You gotta make love to a guy with a pocket pussy strapped to his thigh. I don't know. I don't think I wrote that line. Maybe I dropped it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I can see why. It's going to be hard to it's hard to research where that fact came from. <laughs> so I, I like that line. I wish I did. I hope I did. Uh, uh, so here, uh, so in 19, this is two two year difference from Chevy Chase, uh, who was doing a Sugar Hill uh, impression, and here's Eddie's doing uh, Grandmaster Flash impression, basically. Um, one of these things that made me not put this on the first try in a rap show is that I thought, hey, maybe Eddie kind of knows what he's doing. But no, wait a second. No way. Because the, looking the, at the bulk the, of his catalog, I've determined that, that you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, What's this? $100 bill. despite this being disco-y stuff, this is a pretty good try in rap, really? especially because he doesn't do any raps ever again. And he was also on the Honeymooners rap. Yeah. And if he knew what he was doing, the only he would have said on no. The countdown twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would have said no to that, because that was three years after this. So. He deserves to be on this list. Um, I feel like Eddie Murphy's a known commodity. Uh, although, oh my God, yes. Although it's uh, it's been so long, I like to remind people that uh, he used to be great at stand-up. Yeah, he's like the Rod Stewart of comedy, where his early stuff is great, but then you, he's done so much since then that you can't even picture him as great anymore. Yeah, but people can't even picture him as a stand-up. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I mean, he shot to fame when he was when he went on Saturday Night Live. He was 19 years old. Yeah, and he and he's the greatest performer of all time. Yeah, and he became like the most Saturday famous. Night. I think I wrote here that like worldwide, he's more recognizable. Like you take a picture of Eddie Murphy, or you take a, an image of uh, Western Jesus and hold him up, more oh. people around the world are going to recognize Eddie Murphy. Cowboy Jesus? No, 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 no. That's rootin' tootin' Jesus. Oh. Sorry. I mean, Western, the other Western Jesus. Western Jesus, the one the uh, Italian. White Jesus. Yeah, the one the Europeans made up in the 1600s. Uh, gotcha. Like, yeah, this, look at this white guy with blue eyes. He's from Jerusalem. That's what people look like there. Come yeah, to our church. Those blue eyes. Um, so as far as the other half of this, the music on the song, it was producer David Wolfert, uh, worked, who worked with a ton of people. Um, and some some names we know, Melissa Manchester, Brenda Russell, Peter Chris. He worked on Peter Chris's solo album, Out of Control, which I didn't know existed. Um, and he also was on, he uh, he produced Barbara Streisand's water-themed album, Wet. Every, oh, boy. Every yeah. song yep. about something wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish more people would do that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, while you, while you guys talk about it, let's do play, play the bonus song. Okay. So, uh, you did, guys can tell you, me. What, did what? you change my facts on the sheet? No. I, I actually wrote that wrong? You, you originally had he was 17 oh. when he came out. Or no, he was 19 when this came out and had oh. already been on SNL for two years. I wasn't reading it when I when I looked at it and I got it right, and I didn't realize that you had corrected it. The implication was that he started SNL at 17. Ah, no, he this was is, 21 this. when it came out, Okay, 19 when he started SNL. Yeah. No! Math. All right, hey, who's that guy? Uh, so this is the bonus song. This is Bobcat Rap. I'm a Lot Like You by Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, damn, I thought we were done. Uh, no, this is the bonus song, so you guys can talk about what didn't make the this list. This is the Mona bonus jack-off. Yeah, uh, I could only put <laughs> one rap song on this that had no no real raps on the list, but I, this, people have to know that this exists. This is from 1987, Whoopi Goldberg vehicle, Burglar. Oh, yeah. Which had a soundtrack, apparently. Boy, she was unstoppable back then. Yeah. Jumping Jack Flash. Yeah, and Sister on, Act. <laughs> that was, that a, was a little later. On the soundtrack was a rap by Bobcat Goldthwait. We're hearing it right now. Um, 
Again, this is just has a vaguely urban beat, and I think Bobcat has lines from the movie and no rap, so enjoy. So, guys, what didn't make the list? Dave? Uh, yeah, I, I alluded to it earlier. Uh, Rich Little's The President's Rap from 1982. It was basically him doing some of this Reagan shtick over the beat of the Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love. Popular sample back then. Yeah. It features a bit where Reagan talks to kids about being president someday. Actually, uh, with uh, Hervé Velichez to playing. There's a part with Mr. Bill where Mr. Bill falls out a window. Oh, all the hits. Oh, poor Mr. Bill. And at one point, he yells out live from New York, it's Saturday night. And it all happens over a laugh track. That's the real <laughs> oh, the real biting humor they were zinging Reagan it's, with in 82. It's terrible. I listened yeah. to that. And I was like, can't put that on here. Yeah, I think it's a charity album. Then they took a handful of bits of it and put it on a single over the Tom Tom Club. It's 10 minutes yeah. long. <laughs> no like, like many rap songs yeah. were back then. Extended club versions. Yeah. So I thought maybe I'd find some highbrow trying rap, so I googled Prairie Home Companion rap. Oh, and, just hoping that it yeah. existed. But I, uh, the best I could do, I found Garrison Keillor doing a song about how songs today are too repetitive and then uh, like kind of sing rapping a bunch of colorful words over a, a hip indie roots hip hop beat. And by colorful words, I don't mean like fun swears, like thesaurus words. So it's, it's not 100% rap because I think Garrison is, is is too smart to try a straight to try a straight up rap, but it 100% gets everything wrong. It's one of those songs that makes fun of how shitty modern music is, and in trying to rip it a new asshole, it demonstrates exactly how difficult making modern music is. It's funny because the audience, you hear the live audience laugh once when they realize the bit, and then they never laugh again. <laughs> not enough, apparently not enough Lutheran oh, jokes. Yeah, in yeah. Big, big loud uh, snack bar during that routine. <laughs> I, uh, I would like to nominate every time an improv cast asks for a musical genre and has to take the audience's suggestion of rap. <laughs> uh, also, this is probably not enough to qualify, but Ali G did a song with Shaggy based on his catchphrase, Me Julie, and he gets to rap one verse on it. I, pr- I love your Michigan pronu- pronunciation of Ali G. Ali G. Ali G. Steve, what's coming up next week? Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little genre about rock opera. Uh, that are set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. What do you call that genre? I'm going to surprise you next week. Oh, okay. Do you have a new name? Or you're going to surprise the audience next week? I'm going su- to surprise the audience next okay. week. Wait, give us a brief description of it again. It's uh, rock operas and concept albums that are set in a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been outlawed. Oh, this is going to have a good title. Yeah. It's a solid genre. Um, all right, so uh, find this week's Try and Raps and Laps, Laps playlist by following Jader on Spotify. I get two songs. Two songs, yeah. yeah. Two songs. This uh, and, wait, uh, it was Twister and Honeymooner Rap. Oh, and Boogie in Your Butt. I think oh, Boogie in okay. Your Butt. Yeah, Boogie in Your Butt. So that's on three. There. Uh, go to yachtrock.com to buy t-shirts, read the captain's blog, and see show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow JD at JD Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow David, David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on iTunes. Rate and review us on, oh, I'm sorry, Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. Rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us pick up heat. So please take the time today to give us a review. Thanks to that guy for sending in the bumpers. I didn't write it down here. You, they were great. Additional bumpers by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Uh, recorded today by Dustin Marshall. And thank you to him and the entire Feral Audio family. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. 
Alright, let, let it all out again, guys. <laughs> hey, do your best bobcat impression. <laughs> clear your senses. <laughs> Stop. Should, should thank Andy Dick for the inspiration today. Feral Audio.